You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Saul Ferris is a lawyer and a collector of Batman comics, books, and toys. He discovered the manga versions of the Batman comics from Japan in the 1960s, collected in Bat Manga, The Secret History of Batman in Japan. Thank you for joining me, Saul. It's my pleasure, Rick. Saul, uh, tell us when and how you first encountered Batman. As a small child, um, my father had an insurance agency and Next door was a drugstore, and you would put a dime and two pennies into the machine, and out would pop a comic book. That was my first introduction to Batman comics in 1966. Wow, they came out of a machine? I didn't know they sold comics out of a machine. Yes. (laughs) I wish I had that machine in my collection, but (laughs) I've never never encountered one. Now, uh, here you are. It's 1966. Would you mind telling me how old you were in that then? Well, I was born in 59, so that would have made me seven years old. Seven years old. So you're, you're seven years old, and, and you start reading the Batman comics. Now, was this before the TV show came out? It coincided with the TV show. Um, the, the show was came out in 1966, mm-hmm. and I think that there was a deluge in, in comics or certainly a rise in the circulation of Batman comics due to the popularity of the show. Now, do you remember what first really interested you about Batman as a seven-year-old kid? I didn't really fixate on Batman specifically Mm -hmm. uh, at that time. I liked all DC characters and Marvel, for that matter. Um, I I collected Spider-Man comics and The Incredible Hulk and some of the other Marvel characters. And on the DC side, I I loved Superman as a kid. But uh, when it came time to start collecting this stuff and paying hard-earned money for these collectibles, I decided in order to avoid bankruptcy, I would focus on one character. And that was Batman, which was my favorite. Now, why was Batman your favorite? I think the, the common answer to that, uh, to, and to explain, in my opinion, Batman's popularity is more people can identify with the character because he is human and he was not sprinkled with fairy dust and uh, and became a superhuman, such as Superman, who derive, derives his powers from the yellow sun. Uh, Batman worked hard to achieve his goals. He's, he's someone who... Uh, worked to achieve the, the, the powers that he has. And I think people identify with that more, that if you just set your goals high and you work hard to achieve them, anyone can become superhuman, so to speak. When you got that first Batman comic that came out of the machine, did you decide to start collect comics right then and there, or had you already been collecting comics? Our family is a family of collectors. My brother had a stamp collection. My other brother had a coin collection. So there was something in our genetic makeup that was amenable to this collecting mentality. So uh, I decided to collect uh, comics and and toys. Now, this was at the age of seven then. Did you, at that that age, did you like 
preserve your toys or take care of them the same way you, you do now? No, I don't think anyone had that collecting mentality in the 60s as they do now. I think that developed in the 1980s. And that's why so many of the toys from the, the 60s and earlier are so valuable because they're so rare, because no one thought that they would be worth anything um, in the future. Uh, so no one kept the boxes. And for example, a 1966 Batman utility belt uh, ma manufactured by Ideal Toys, the box itself is worth more than $2,000. Why? Because they were immediately thrown out. The toys were extremely popular and the kids ripped into them, including myself, and uh, no one kept this rather large box. So that's what makes them rare and, and, and valuable. I've uh, been out, outbid on eBay on the utility belt box uh, after putting in a bid of $2,000. So if you have one, it, if anyone listening has one at home, uh, put it on eBay. You'll be very happy with the result. Wow. Um, as, a, as a kid growing up, you, you did collect your comics. Um, tell me about um, how that felt. You know, when you're seven years old, it's one thing to collect comics. Did you continue to do so as a teenager and, and uh, through your 20s and such? I uh, couldn't afford it is, is the simple answer. Um, as you mentioned, I am an attorney, so I spent uh, uh, four years of college and three years of law school as a poor, impoverished student and I couldn't afford uh, comic books, let alone rare toys. So the answer is uh, I took a seven-year-plus hiatus from collecting uh, during my years of study. Now, but during those years, you retained all the stuff you had collected before, I take it. Thanks to my mother, yes. She, she uh, God bless her heart, she didn't throw out any of my boxes of comics. Well, this is such a, a common tale in the comics world. Do, do you know anybody whose mother threw out their number one Superman, number one Batman, et cetera? <laughs> uh, who didn't jump off a building, you mean? <laughs> and could uh, fly afterwards. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, I haven't been, uh, I haven't met any of those folk, those poor unfortunate souls, no. But it, 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 it happened. Um, the, the first Superman, the first Batman comics had a print run in the millions. Uh, they were extremely popular characters, and Superman came out in 1938. Batman debuted in 1939, a year after. And as I say, there were millions of those comics printed. The first appearance of Batman in mint condition is a six-figure comic book. And um, the reason why is millions of mothers threw those comics out, unfortunately. Wow. Now, um, at, once you uh, graduated from law school and became a lawyer, you took up collecting again. Tell us a little bit about how you approached it. Is this when you made the decision to go with Batman and only Batman? Yeah, I, I made the decision to focus on one character mm -hmm. um, because I knew that there was so much merchandise out there uh, in in all areas, there's a ton of Superman merchandise. There's a ton of Spider-Man uh, merchandise available um, since the 60s. And I knew that I had neither the room nor the financial resources to collect multiple characters. So um, Batman being my favorite, that was the logical choice. 
Well, it's interesting that you mentioned room. <laughs> um, as a guy who has books, many of them, <laughs> that uh, I've been told many times that there's only a finite as amount of space in my house and that someday I'm, you know, books will come in and some have to go out and I'm not really believing it. I think it's kind of like the TARDIS of Doctor Who. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. But uh, so um, could you talk about the space that you started to uh, dedicate to the, the stuff? Well, I I have a, a fairly nice size house, and the previous owner uh, was a wine aficionado, and um, his thing was to collect wine bottles. And I don't drink wine; I don't particularly care for it. So that became my Batman room, and it's a rather sizable room. But yes, it is full; it is a finite uh, area, and what. I find happens as a collector is your collection goes through an evolution and the more rare pieces that you acquire it pushes out the less rare and less desirable pieces and they end up in boxes in my garage. Well once you decided to to start collecting Batman's um, paraphernalia did you how did you go about it did you say I'm going I mean how do you find out what's out there? To collect, and how do you go about deciding what to collect and what order prioritize? Well, um, for the com- or for the toy collectors out there who are listening, they'll remember Toy Shop, which used to be the mecca resource of toys. And uh, Toy Shop, I believe, is defunct because of eBay, and. Um, eBay is now is now the new pinnacle of uh, collectors as a resource, and um, if you put in the word Batman in an eBay search, it will return over thirty five thousand items uh, at the moment. Uh, I remember when I first started on eBay in nineteen ninety seven, eBay w- had roughly five thousand items. So. As eBay has grown, so has the amount of material that that you can collect on uh, related to Batman. Well, um, as a as a collector, what what are the what different kinds of things can you collect? I mean, toys and and what else? Some of the more rare Batman items would be advertising materials such as uh, store signs or posters, pamphlets, flyers, especially any type of uh, advertisement sign from the 1960s. Again, just like the toy packaging I mentioned earlier, the, this advertising material would be thrown out by the store owner. And so as a result, any uh, advertising material from the 60s is, is extraordinarily rare and valuable. Um, I have, for example, uh, a safeguard sign, and they Batman was used to pitch Safeguard soap, and you would uh, have to buy the soap, send in a few wrappers, and they would send you a pack of Topps trading cards. That sign is extremely um, rare and valuable. Um, so that that's an example of a non-comic book, non-toy Batman item that uh, is very sought after by collectors. Wow, that's fascinating. Now, um, could you talk about, a, as you've uh, collected these things, 
how do you is eBay your source of where you find out what's possible to get? I mean, how did how do you find out you know what's out there to bid for on eBay? You, eBay is one resource. I didn't mean to to say it's the exclusive resource for collectors. There are still toy shows, uh, even though uh, eBay has lessened the numbers uh, of toy shows. And I've noticed over the years that the number of sellers that show up to sell at toy shows has diminished uh, because it's easier for a seller to um, sit in his living room and list his items online rather than driving oftentimes considerable distances to the toy show. Uh, the Chicago Toy Show, which has been going on for probably more than, I want to say, 30 years, um, is um, people travel from Iowa to Chicago, from Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, all the surrounding states, toy sellers come, and uh, the show used to be four times a year, and now it's twice a year. But uh, I found a lot of great Batman memorabilia at that toy show um, besides eBay. Now, you have a, a lot of stuff in, in your, your Batman room. Um, how do you keep track of what you have? And how do you, if you, say, decide that uh, the latest thing you've got, um, promotional poster or, or a utility belt box, um, has going to push something out, how do you find what you're going to push out in, in your room? Well, I don't keep an inventory. The inventory is in my head, and I, I realize I should be more meticulous about it. I have uh, video records. Let's say I've taken video and photographs of uh, the items that I have on display. So, uh, God forbid, there's a fire or something uh tragic happens. I have some sort of record of what was there. But uh, it basically, when something rare comes up for sale, I just know it. Um, this is my hobby. This is my passion. Um, I spend far too much time thinking uh, about toys and looking at toys. So when something comes up and I know that I need it for my collection, uh, I will know it immediately. Now, as a collector, you must have some feeling that what you're doing is more than just a, you know, a, a compulsion to fill in all the spaces on a, on a box and a grid, um, or check off everything off a list. There's some some kind of cultural, you know, meaning and importance to what you're doing. Could you talk about your experience of that and and how you feel that and maybe how you share it? Well, Chip has uh, Chip Kid, who is the designer and the the, the brains and um, uh, behind this project, Bat Bat Manga, which contains uh, my Japanese toys. He has kindly called me a, a curator, which normally is a term uh, reserved for uh, museum quality, but these these items to Chip and I and many other lovers of pop culture, uh, these are better than museum pieces. And um, uh, in a way, uh, I am preserving, um, with respect to Japan, that little piece of Japanese culture in which Batman um, 
was so popular from 1966 to 1967, and uh, I'm happy to do it. Now, when you're buying these things online, it's one thing when you're in there in, in the trade show, in the toy show, and you can actually see what you're buying and touch it and hold it. Um, but when you're buying online, it seems like, you know, you're, you're taking a kind of a risk. Could you talk about how you judge, you know, the, the risks you're taking? You're right. You're absolutely right, Rick, that um, sometimes you can get burned because you're not touching, smelling, feeling uh, the item. And as a matter of fact, there are a number of correct collectors that shy away from buying anything online because they've had bad experiences. Um, sellers online, they take a picture purposely from an angle which will hide certain defects in a, in a toy and, and they're, they're being uh, deceptive about the condition of their toy. Um, so what you have to do is ask questions, a lot of questions, and if the seller doesn't answer those questions to your satisfaction, it's probably reasonably safe to conclude that they're trying to hide something and you may not want to bid on the item at all or, or bid accordingly uh, according to what is disclosed. But there, I can say that I have probably uh, uh, had upwards of 2,000 transactions on eBay alone and I'm, I'm happy to say that I've only been burned less than a handful of times. Now, um, when, when you are the, on the receiving end of a fraudulent transaction, uh, wh what have you done and how have you sought redress? Well, eBay has its own uh, dispute resolution procedures. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to be uh, any. I'm not an eBay spokesman, but having been used their service uh, for ten years, I'm very familiar with it. Uh, it. You have to first. You have to see what the seller's policy is. Some have return policies, and some do not. If they don't have a return policy then you can still get a refund based on a material misrepresentation by the seller. And uh, if the seller does not want to voluntarily return your money, um, then you can open a dispute with eBay and they will investigate it and get both sides of the story and um, draw, their, draw their own conclusion as to whether or not a refund is, is warranted. Also, um, if you pay by PayPal. PayPal has its own buyer protection where if you don't get satisfaction through eBay's dispute mechanism, you may utilize PayPal's dispute mechanism. And so that's a, an additional safeguard. Um, and as I say, out of thousands of transactions I've engaged in, I've only <laughs> been ripped off maybe two or three times. When people are identified as um, engaging in some kind of a fraudulent thing, uh, what happens to them? I mean, do you, do they get ostracized in the community? Yeah, that's uh, on eBay. And again, I, I, I this is sounding like a uh, a tutorial on eBay, but it is the number one. Um, resource for collectibles transactions 
in the country, if not the world. So um, eBay has a feedback system. And if you are unhappy with the transaction for any reason, whether the seller took an inordinate amount of time to ship the item or the seller misrepresented the item, uh, you can leave negative feedback. And so um, you develop a reputation on eBay for either being honest or being um, uh, dishonest as a seller and buyer. And um, if I may brag, I have, I believe, 1,800-something positive feedback. So all the transactions that I've been involved with, both the buyer and seller have been happy. If you see a seller on eBay um, that has less than 10 feedback, I would be very skeptical of engaging, uh, making a buy from that seller. And certainly if the seller only has negative feedback, run, don't walk away from that uh, particular auction. Now, you found these uh, Batman comic books from Japan, uh, which are apparently very scarce. Can you tell me how you how you happened across them? Did you know well, about them beforehand, I guess, is the question? Well, uh, my disclaimer is I'm not a huge manga fan, even though I do appreciate manga and I I enjoy it immensely. I am basically a Batman fan. Uh, And if you think about it, there are 12 issues put out by DC Comics of Batman in 1966. And that's the year that I love so much because it's, it uh, takes me back to my childhood. Um, The the only there were actually two other titles that Batman appeared in, maybe three if you count Justice League of America, and that was Detective Comics and World's Finest. The point being that Batman only had two titles, Batman and Detective Comics, 12 issues a year. The math is simple. There were uh, 24 comics in 1966. And I love these old 60s Batman comics, but they're there's only 24 and 66, okay, 48 if you count 67. And so to, f- to feed my need for more 60s Batman comics, I had to reach out to other countries, and Japan was one of them. Now, when you looked for Japan, um, in Japan, how did you, uh, I mean, how, did you have to go to Japanese eBay to, to, to find them, or did you, like, just presume that they had existed and start the search that way? Well, there, there is no such thing as Japanese eBay. Okay. Um, uh, in one interview I saw uh, with the president of eBay, Meg, whose last name escapes me, one of her biggest regrets is uh, they didn't get a foothold in Japan, uh, much to eBay's chagrin. Um, I believe... Um, Yahoo is the is the premier auction site in Japan, and they 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 beat eBay to the punch. There are sellers in Japan that use eBay, but they're very few and far between. Um, I should mention that my brother-in-law, or excuse me, my brother, is married to a Japanese woman, and. Um, they used to live in Japan, 
My brother, uh, who is Caucasian, uh, is bilingual and speaks Japanese fluently. So I've utilized him to contact Japanese sellers of of pop culture memorabilia, and he has helped me immensely acquire a lot of these comics and toys. Wow. Now, um, when you first stumbled across these these Batman comics in, in manga form, now are they the same as, are they, is each one all Batman? Or are they, do they mix up the characters? Or are they like uh, some of the manga characters? I know the uh, um, author, uh, Jiro Kawada, um, have, was his claim to fame was Eight Man. Correct. So, uh, did you were there issues of Eight Man that had a Batman story in them, or or how did that? How did you uh, find these? Well, my marching orders to my brother was uh, find me comic books from the 1960s that contained Batman, and in fact. Uh, primarily two Japanese magazines called Shonen King, which literally translates to Boy King, and Shonen Gaho, when I, I, I forgot the, tr- the translation for that magazine. But they are m- magazines geared toward boys, and they contain the Batman manga drawn by Jiro Kawada. Um, to answer your cr- question, Rick, they also contained other popular Japanese characters such as uh, Astro Boy. Um, there's another character called the Golden Bat. And so one of these very thick Shonen King magazines, which totaled probably 300 pages, would contain about a 15-page Batman story a 15-page Golden Bat story, a 15- to 20-page Astro Boy story, with all sorts of filler in between those stories. So that's how I first, um, my, my brother was the one who introduced me to the Shonen King magazines, which contain these fabulous um, Batman stories. Now, once you had the introduction, how did you start tracking them down? Was it systematic? Did you? I mean, presumably months of the year. You just went through each month of the year and started uh, looking for them on eBay and I guess the Yahoo website. Yes, uh, I've acquired them mainly through the contacts uh, established by my brother. Um, I should mention that uh, the Chicago Toy Show that I mentioned earlier, which takes place in St. Charles, Illinois. Um, it's not in Chicago. Uh, there are Japanese dealers that travel from Japan to that toy show, and I've, I've met some of those dealers and asked them to, to hunt down these magazines as well. So I don't have one specific resource uh, from which I've acquired these, these magazines. There have been several, and I don't want to I don't want to give you too many details because then I'll, I'll uh, have competitors out there uh, fighting with me for these, these magazines. Okay. Well, um, w- once you, you had these magazines, um, tell us about how, how you met uh, Chip Kidd and include him into their existence. Well, Chip, who I consider uh, a great friend, he bid on an eBay uh, Batmobile, 
which I immediately recognized as uh, being tampered with. Specifically, uh, I had uh, several photographs of this Batmobile in the original condition, and some evil child had decapitated uh, Batman from the Batmobile, and uh, which is common, by the way, and uh, it had been replaced with a very common plastic Batman head, which to a collector renders the toy basically worthless. And um, I alerted Chip. I, I didn't know who the buyer was, but I was just being a nice guy, and whoever paid a great deal of money for this toy, I just sent, uh, sent them a message through the eBay system saying, you got burned, buddy and um, you should not pay the seller because he uh, manipulated this toy, which renders it worthless and misrepresented it. And um, that's how the relationship started. He was very grateful that I saved him uh, a great deal of money uh, for the junk that he was about to buy. Now, um, you you had these, these Batman magazines, and... When you showed them to him, he, I, how did this this book come together? Did he immediately decide that he wanted to? Because uh, he'd already done Batman Collected, and I, I I believe at this time, right? Is that correct? Correct. I want to say Batman Collected came out in 1996, actually. Oh, okay. So that's that's that had been a while. So um, sure, he he was well known in, in for this. Now you have all of a sudden show up, and you have this cache not only of uh, a, a Batman. Uh, toy and paraphernalia collection to you know uh, that uh, that's museum quality, um, but you also have these magazines. Uh, did he immediately decide to do the book with you? How, how or, or approach you to do the book? How did, how did that work out? Well, Chip uh, fell in love with the material, and um, he was astounded that I had so many of the uh, Shonen King magazines, which, by the way, I, I tried to do a, a count, and I have about 75 of the magazines, which uh, represents between 85 and 90 percent of the full run. So there's still some holes that I need to fill in my run, and uh, if anyone has any extra Shonen Kings laying around, uh, can I give out my email address? Uh, sure. <laughs> Uh, I'm at iCollectBatman at AOL.com. Uh, drop me an email, and I'll be happy to purchase them from you. But um, he fell in love with the material, Rick, and uh, he had to determine whether there was enough material uh, in my collection to make a book. And uh, ultimately, he did make that determination. There have been some criticisms and complaints on the internet that um, uh, not all of the stories in the book are complete. And um, while that is true, uh, I'm, I'm at the mercy of what I can find on the market. And um, there are a couple of complete stories that are in the book, but uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't have that 100% run. So, um, um I'm hoping to, to get that remaining 15%. Now, these are 300-page comic books. They're from Japan. They're like 40 years old. 
Tell, describe the condition of these books and how you preserve them. I mean, you could just, a fingerprint could just lift the ink right off the pages, couldn't it? They're not that delicate, Rick. Oh. Rick. They're, um, you can put your hands all over them and it's not going to, uh, it's not going to smudge the page. Um, the conditions vary from rags to pristine. Um, of course, the only thing that Chip and I cared about was that the Batman story was intact. And uh, for the most part, that is true. If, um, if any of the listeners do buy the book, you'll see that there are condition flaws in the story because these pages were meticulously photographed by Jeff Spear, and, and it gives the reader the feel that they're, they actually have the vintage magazine in their hand which I think enhances the reading experience. But uh, I gave Chip and Jeff carte blanche to, to crush the spine as, as of, the, of these uh, Shonen King magazines as much as they wanted to get the best possible uh, image reproduced for the book. I, I'm, not, um, uh, I'm not that much of a stickler when it comes to condition. Um, because uh, a vintage Shonen King magazine with a little crease on the spine, to me, is going to be worth just as much as a Shonen King magazine without a crease. Uh, both are extraordinarily rare. So to me, it, w what's the difference if you put a crease in, in the magazine? So no, I don't handle them with kid gloves, and um, um, hopefully that answers your question. Now let's talk about the the material itself and your and Chip's you know friendship growing as you as you share this material. This uh, Batman in Japan, he's rather different from Batman in America, isn't he? Yes, um, I think there is there are cultural differences, and by no means am I an expert on Japanese culture. I I know my fair share about Japanese culture. I've been there once. Um, but there are certain things that play well in America that, that would not play well in a Japanese uh, comic book. And I'm not expert enough to, to articulate exactly, exactly what that is, but uh, Jiro Kawada recognized what he felt uh, would not appeal to the young Japanese reader boy who he was drawing for. And so he, Kawada unquestionably was inspired by the American comics. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that he was handed a stack of American comics uh, that he used as inspiration, but he drew in a way that he felt would appeal best to the, the young Japanese audience. Now, um these stories, one of the things I like about them is that they have, for me at least, a little more of a uh, kind of a science fiction monstery feel to them as opposed <laughs> to the American versions, which, which are more um, kind of uh, guys in costumes, <laughs> you know, the, the criminal criminals in costumes. Could you talk uh, about that? And Because and you've read both, so you, you have, a, a, should have a pretty good sense about that. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the um, 
all the Japanese movies that, that actually were popular here in the United States that I saw as a kid. Uh, Godzilla, uh, Godzilla versus Rodan, uh, and movies of that sort had a very science fiction, uh, alien-type feel to them. And I think that's the influence of, of the Japanese culture, which seeped through into some of Kawada's stories. And I'm sure you're specifically referring to um, the man who stopped being human, where I don't want to give away too much, but uh, the man in the story uh, turns into an alien. Well, one of the things that, that too, that I really like about this is the um, Robin is very different in the stories, and he's, he's in all the stories. Uh, could you talk about the, the differences between the Japanese Robin and the American Robin? Well, Hiro uh, Kawada drew Robin as if he were maybe 12 years old. He's, he's very youthful looking, and I, I would say it's safe to conjecture that he was trying to appeal to, again, the young reader in that age group and maybe have the reader identify with Robin being so young. But um, I think uh, Kawada made an editorial decision that this, this is the age that I should draw Robin, and, and um, he went with it. Whether that was the right decision, who knows? Uh, the series only lasted a year in Japan. So maybe uh, who knows if it was the correct decision or not. Now, um, once you met Chip, you, you met him through online emails. When did you guys actually uh, get together for the first time to, to talk? Well, being the comic book geek that I am, uh, I've been to the San Diego Comic-Con a few times. And uh, I believe that's where we first met in person. Um, through emails, we, we knew that we would both be going that year and decided to, to meet up. Jerry Robinson, who, to all the comic book fans who are listening, know that um, he is, uh, according to him, the creator of the Joker, although Bob Keane would disagree with that. But uh, he's a legendary uh, comic book writer and artist, and uh, Chip and I met this legendary uh, Batman artist and co-creator of the Batman characters at that Comic-Con. So it was very memorable and special to, uh, to us comic book geeks. Could you talk about the, the kind of friendships that develop between people who collect the, the same comics? Uh, is it different, say, from your friends as lawyers? We're lawyers. Well, there's, I mean, there's friendships and and um, and there's rival rivalries that develop because uh, there's only a limited number of high-end collectors. Uh, most people would think I'm certifiably nuts for paying the type of money I would pay for a toy that originally retailed for a uh, dollar or less, um, and so. There's only so many of us high-end Batman collectors that compete for a finite number of, of those toys, and it can get very contentious and, and um, rivalrous where uh, I have one-time friends who are now <laughs> most definitely enemies. So, But um, like Chip, Chip and I uh, <clears throat> are after the same things, and, and we will conspire and ask each other, hey, are you going to bid on this item? 
um, in, in this particular auction uh, and, and try and not step on each other's toes. Which, if, if I may uh, mention, another, another resource for collectibles are our auction houses. And um, besides the toy shows, besides eBay, there are, there are many auction houses that auction off uh, Batman collectibles and other pop, pop culture uh, memorabilia. And that's an, also a fabulous resource for us collectors. When, when you got these uh, Batman comics, did you, were you able to read the, the stories in Japanese? I do not read Jap- Japanese. <laughs> Uh, I can say hello and good night, uh, konnichiwa and kanbanwa is about the extent of my um, of my Japanese linguistic skills. Did your your brother though, Ken? Did he translate them for you, or was the first time you saw them translated? Right, right. I I bug him all the time. What does this mean? What does this say? And uh, he's a real trooper and and very tolerable of my persistent requests for translation. Um, another little tidbit of information um, for the listeners is there are websites um, that have uh, translation capabilities. I, I want to say translation.com where uh, you can cut and paste Japanese language, paste it into this box, and then uh, ask it to translate from Japanese to English, and it will give you the gist of what is being written, but um, oftentimes the translation is, is rather comical. It's not an expert translation, but it's free and you don't have to, I don't have to bother my brother, uh, so I'll, I'll utilize that resource. Now, it must have been nice to, to see these, uh, once the, the photography was done, um, and uh, of both the toys and, and the, the comic books to see them come together in this uh, book, Bat Manga. Could you talk about that experience the first time you actually started to see the project come together as a book? Well, it, uh, it gives the book wider appeal because uh, I have fellow collector toy collectors that could care less about the manga and have no interest or desire to, to read the stories. And then uh, the converse is, there are uh, uh, legions of manga fans that could care less about these ridiculous toys that are uh, taking up space in the book. So it has, hopefully the book appeals to both the toy collectors and the, the manga readers. And um, as, the, as Chip described it, the toys are the, some, are the mortar between the bricks, the bricks being the stories. And... Um, of course, I'm biased, but I think the combination is is wonderful, and, and I'm really pleased with uh, the way the book turned out. You know, one thing that I, I'll have to confess, I'm not a big fan of Batman, um, nor of Marvel, Shame on you. Nor of uh, toys. <laughs> on the other hand, when I saw this book, it just... This interview is over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go well, ahead, Rick. I'm no, sorry. No, I, I understood. The... When I saw this book, it just really struck me powerfully. It's such a, a cultural moment captured in in such a peculiar manner. Could you talk about the kind of the emotional weight of, of this book for you and for people who maybe don't even, like myself, don't even know much about it, the subject? I don't think it's really sunk in for me. Uh, I've been in the eye of the hurricane, and 
I've been so busy uh, helping put the book together and uh, that I I really haven't had it had the luxury of sitting back and have it all sink in. But um, certainly there's a, a great deal of pride uh, on an emotional level, as, as, as you say, from seeing uh, this slice of Japanese culture preserved for posterity's sake, and hopefully the readers uh, will appreciate and enjoy it uh, as much as Chip and I uh, did putting it together. Well, tell us a little bit about the procedure of putting it together. First, you had everything photographed, is that correct? Correct. And that was Jeff Spears did all the photography. Was it done? Well, Jeff Jeff lugged about uh, 15 pieces of sophisticated uh, photographic equipment, uh, lighting, the cameras, and whatever else goes into uh, a professional photographer's arsenal. And uh, I had to lug it to my house because there's no way that I would trust uh, the these treasures leaving my my uh, vault and um, so they had to come over and it took a week to shoot uh, all the toys the manga would have been would have taken way too much time and so I had to bite my lip and let them take the manga back to New York where Chip and Jeff live to work on photographing, um, I don't know, I, I think there's probably 300 pages or more of just manga. So that would have taken forever to shoot that at my house. But procedurally, that's how it went down. And um, then Chip made editorial decisions on which stories would, would make the cut and which toys would make the cut and which would end up on the, on the cutting room floor. Um, but the, the good news is, is there's a ton of material, uh, certainly sufficient for a follow-up book if this book does well. And, and that's why I'm here trying to, to spread the good word that uh, I hope people buy the book so we can do a, do a follow-up. Do you know how he chose? Did you make suggestions as to what stories would be included? <laughs> I, I don't mean to be cute here, but uh, uh, Chip would would take uh, my ideas, but he's the Lord God uh, of this project and the, the final arbiter of what would make the cut. Um, he, he's the artist, and I'm just the lowly c collector. Um, he's got the artistic eye, and uh, for example, the cover, of the soft cover, I said, Chip, isn't this a fantastic uh, manga? Uh, isn't, isn't this Shonen King cover fantastic? And it really was the standout cover among the 75 that I have, and I recognized it as being beautiful and eye-catching and um, and Chip did go with it as the cover, although he ended up tweaking it considerably and cropping it to make to make the magnificent cover that he made for um, for Batmanga uh, in the soft cover edition. So the answer is yes, I would make suggestions, and most of the time Chip would roll his eyes, but uh, occasionally he would uh, would would pick up uh, some of my suggestions. Now you you talked a little bit about uh, Bat Manga too. Um, 
you you have as many stories left to to show in there, right? And yes. more toys. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the best is yet to come, in my opinion. I've got uh, a plane train set that didn't make it into this first book. Um, it's something that's hard to describe, and and uh, I'll do my best, but it's much better seeing it. But there's a, a plane on a metal rod that circles above this toy and a train that circles in the opposite direction. It's a wind-up. And, of course, there's Batman imagery all over the toy. Um, but the fact that it moves and it does something, uh, being the plane circling and the train circling, I think makes it a really fun. And, and of course, it's, it's an extremely rare toy. So that'll uh, if there is a follow-up book, that will certainly be included. Once you did you see the photographs as they came out and and see the book as it was assembled or did you just get to get handed the the final edition? Uh, I I just got handed the final edition. Um, Chip uh, had so much work to do in terms of uh, working with uh, Ann Ishii who was the translator and um, doing the lettering that goes into the balloons. It was it was definitely a labor of love, and Chip put in uh, a huge amount of time. And for him to to go over each and every page and say, Saul, what do you think? Saul, what do you think? It just would have not would have been uh, feasible in terms of the deadline that we were trying to meet. As Now, there's a, a hardcover edition that's uh, a limited edition. Could you talk about the differences between the two? Sure. The the hardcover has additional material, uh, which is primarily Chinese comics, and I'm glad you asked because I'm I'm uh, in awe of my own uh, Chinese comics, which, according to the seller, came out of 1950s China, and again, not being uh, a student of Chinese culture, I do know that. Uh, Mao Zedong's cultural revolution prohibited anything foreign. Uh, that was the, the, the thrust of the cultural revolution, is to purge China of all foreign uh, culture. And Batman is certainly foreign. So the fact that a Batman comic was generated and survived uh, Mao Zedong's cultural revolution is just a thrill to me and astounds me. And uh, I'm so happy that um, the seller in China um, kept these comics and, and, and sold them to me for a very reasonable sum. So a few of those pages are in the hardcover edition and they're completely original material which, have, which has never been published in the United States. And um, it contains characters from Chinese folklore, such as a, a pig and, and a, a rat and all sorts of these um, characters, which I'm not familiar with, but which come out of Chinese folklore. And then there's uh, Hong Kong Batman comics in the hardcover edition. The hardcover edition also contains a signed uh, tip-in plate um, with some original art on it, signed by Chip Kidd himself. So I think it's uh, the difference is probably twenty bucks, 
and it's well worth the extra money in my in my opinion. Now, ha- have you obtained um, any of the original art that went into the comics? That that is the the drawings that that uh, Jiro Kawada did. I have not. Um, Chip did was able to obtain uh, a couple of stories from Mr. Kawada, uh, Sensei Kawada, uh, and he he paid a lot of money for them. And um, I'm sure Mr. Mr. Kawada is very happy um, with his remuneration for the original art, which, by the way, wasn't even in his possession. He had to ask the publisher at Shonen King for uh, for his art back, and they were gracious enough to give it to him. But um, I, I've i never been a huge fan of original art. Um, I am fortunate enough to have the original art that went into a toy box for the the train, which is pictured in, in Bat Manga. There's what's called a zigzag train, and as the Mm-hmm. And as the toy title suggests, you wind it up and it zigs and zags. Um, it contains all the villains, Riddler, Joker, Penguin, Commissioner Gordon, Chief O'Hara. So before you ask me what my favorite toy is, Rick, that that it, that is it. That's my favorite toy. And I was just thrilled beyond belief when I uh, saw available for sale the original artwork for the box to the Batman zigzag train. And, of course, I paid a lot of money for it, but um, that that's probably the centerpiece of my Japanese uh, toys. I've been speaking with Saul Ferris. He's a lawyer, a collector of Batman comics, and part of the team who put together Bat Manga, the secret history of Batman in Japan. Thank you for speaking with me, Saul. Thanks, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.